Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the NBA's Big 30. I'm your host, Yash Parikh, and I hope you're having a fabulous day today. Last episode, we covered the Wizards and their potential mediocrity. I believe that this next team, full of young talent, veteran presence, and great role players, has a chance to make a play-in push. This team is well-coached. Disciplined yet fun, and has an exciting combination of players who could complement each other very well. Folks, let's talk about the Indiana Pacers. We're going to talk about the Pacers' offseason, roster, and season projections. I also want to do something I haven't done before and give some player projections for some of the Pacers' young players when we talk about their roster. Finally, we'll cover some trades that could put them right over the top. This team has two of my favorite players, Tyrese Halliburton and Bruce Brown, and I'm so excited to cover this team, and they're definitely top five in my favorite teams in the league right now. Without further ado, let's hop in. off by talking about the Pacers offseason. It may not have looked very eventful, but in my opinion, they made the right moves to gear towards contention and keep rebuilding an option in case they need to. It's important to note that they have some free agents who can still be re-signed by them. Let's start off with their losses. Four of the Pacers losses came through free agency. They lost O'Shea Brissett, George Hill, James Johnson, and Gabe York. Hill and Johnson were just veterans riding the bench. Their presence will be missed, but maybe the point of losing them was just to help Tyrese Halliburton evolve into that leader and make that leap in his fourth season as the head of the locker room. Gabe York, to be honest, I haven't even heard of him before. He played three games for the Pacers this year and was on a two-way contract. OJ Brissett played some minutes every game and was a good young piece. It's too bad that they lost him to the Celtics. Overall, the Pacers really didn't lose too much this offseason. Their gains are what is important, and we should cover them here. First and most importantly, the Pacers re-signed Tyrese Halliburton. Reese got the bag, $260 million over five years. Congratulations! And they also re-signed Kendall Brown through the qualifying offer. Brown is a young player who could present us with some potential. He's extremely athletic and presents us with solid defense as well. We'll talk about their roster soon. Let's keep going with the offseason. The Pacers also ended up signing four rookies, who we'll talk about later in their roster overview. They also traded for Obi Toppin. This is crazy. Imagine Halliburton running the floor, pushing the pace, and throwing moon-high lobs to Toppin, who shoves in windmill jam after windmill jam. This is wild. Also, the Pacers signed NBA champion Bruce Brown. In my opinion, Brown is one of the most valuable role players in this game, the ultimate glue guy. Bruce Brown and Josh Hart, in my opinion, are some of the most important players for their teams. They do everything. Rebound, pass, score, and play solid defense as well. Brown is a spark. In the finals, coming off the bench, he completely closed out the heat in the fourth quarter when Nikola Jokic was in foul trouble. Brown was hitting threes, getting steals, and dropping soft floaters. Most importantly, Bruce Brown plays bigger than he actually is. Honestly, This is a great signing. Congrats to Bruce Brown and his $45 million bag. 
Alright, now let's talk about the Pacers roster. While I will be covering all of their important players, I will only give a player comparison for some, mainly the young players. So to start off with, let's talk about Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, what do I even need to say here? 20.7 points per game and 10.4 assists per game. 49% from the field and 40% from three. 1.6 steals per game. Tyrese has everything. And last year was his breakout year as he even earned his first All-Star award. Tyrese Halliburton is a great scorer and a great passer, and I don't think anything else needs to be said about him. Now, let's talk about somebody who I raved about earlier, Bruce Brown. This player is versatile. He is versatile. Bruce Brown can do anything, and like I said earlier, he plays bigger than he actually is. Also, Bruce Brown is clutch. Like I also said earlier, he completely closed out the heat in that fourth quarter of the game where Nikola Jokic was in foul trouble. I think that Bruce Brown is one of those role players whose main job really is to be a role player. Some role players, like Cam Thomas for example, say that, oh, if I was given more touches and more opportunities, I would score 30 every game, at least. I don't think Bruce Brown would. I think that he's given just the right amount of touches to excel in his role and to do everything just to help his team win. Now, let's get into some of the young players. Benedict Matherin. I mean, this rookie, he was a rookie last year, was insane and many people compared him to Dwayne Wade. This would be great if he could reach even near what Dwayne Wade was at. I mean, Benedict Matherin is a young, athletic wing and guard who has oozes of potential. He can finish in the paint, he can shoot pretty well, and he is strong. And I think that what people need to realize is that soon enough, he's going to be in the higher echelons of the NBA, dominating with players such as LeBron, KD, and all of them because his body is built for the NBA. Now, let's talk about Andrew Nempert. His NBA comparison is Tyus Jones, which is a great comparison if you ask me. They're both consistent floor generals and can assume a six-man type role. And I think that Andrew Nempert is able to perform really well under pressure. I mean, he's able to make strong passes, and we even all saw that moment against the Lakers where he hit that buzzer beater, and that was just a few games into his rookie season. Now, let's talk about Buddy Heel. I mean, all I have to say about this man is that he can shoot threes. And yes, Buddy is one of the greatest three-point shooters of all time. He doesn't really do anything else. No defense, no playmaking, no rebounding, but Buddy can shoot the three ball. And whenever the Pacers need a quick spark off their bench, even though Buddy's starting right now, but I think that Benedict Matherin's going to take that over soon, they can just put in Heald, and he'll just hit a few threes, and it'll all be good. And Buddy Heald also set the record for the fastest three ever in a game. We're just four seconds into the game. He stole a tip and hit a three. Now, let's talk about Miles Turner. What I have to say about Miles Turner is defense. He was the block leader for multiple years, and his defense is stifling in the paint. This year, it took a little bit of a dip, but I don't think that means anything. He's still pretty young, and I think he has plenty of potential to even be a DPOY in the future. Also, Miles Turner can shoot the three ball pretty well. I think that Miles Turner has a good balance of offense and defense, but obviously the defense far outweighs it as he's so strong at that. Now, let's cover the Pacers' four new rookies. First, I want to talk about their eighth overall pick, Jairus Walker. I think that Jairus Walker is like a defensive-minded Aaron Gordon, with some underrated playmaking skills. 
Think about it this way. If Aaron Gordon goes 70% on offense and 30% on defense, Jairus Walker goes 70% on defense and 30% on offense. Now, that's probably not the exact ratio of what they work, but that's basically his comparison to Aaron Gordon. Jairus Walker is a great defensive player, and he has a strong mind and is able to think quick under pressure. I think that his playmaking is heavily underrated, as when he played at Houston, you could see Walker just dropping dimes, even if he didn't fill up the stat sheet with them. Now, let's talk about the Pacers' other first-round pick, Ben Shepard. His NBA comparison is Garrett Temple. Yes, I know. Garrett Temple isn't exactly a great comparison for anybody, really, but I think it fits Ben pretty well. Ben Shepard is a great 3 and D wing, and he can be aggressive on drives. And Garrett Temple, well, he's not very aggressive on drives, but he is a 3 and D wing, and that's what's important about both of them. I think that Ben Shepard was one of the most NBA-ready players, just like Benedict Matherin in the year before, in this draft. Now, I want to talk about some of the Pacers' project players. One of them being Isaiah Wong. His NBA comparison is Jared Butler. Not Jimmy Butler, but Jared Butler. And for those of you who don't know who Jared Butler is, he's been bouncing around the league a little bit, and he's a young, athletic, springy scorer. Uh, the same thing goes for Isaiah Wong. Isaiah Wong plays well off of screens, he's athletic, and he scores productively. And I also want to talk about another man whose name I do not know how to pronounce. I know his first name is Oscar, and his last name starts with the T, but that's all I know about him. Oscar's NBA comparison is Steven Adams. And yes, I guess that's helpful, but not really. Oscar is physical down low, and he's a great rebounder. But is that really what NBA teams are looking for these days? I thought that teams are looking for bigs who can shoot, because that's how the NBA is evolving. But anyways, I think that all of these rookies are strong and are going to have productive careers. Now, let's get on to the projections. Okay, so last year, the Pacers started 13-9 and and ended up as one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference. Also last year, the Lakers started 2-10 and and made it to the Western Conference Finals. Folks, anything can happen. And that's why I think that next year, the Pacers are going to potentially make the play-in tournament with a record of 42-40, and or at least that's my projection for them. I think that Tyrese Halliburton is going to take yet another leap, and Benedict Matherin is also going to be showing off some of that potential. Honestly, this team just gels so well together and this rebuild was so perfect that I think it's about time that they start competing. Now, let's look at some potential trades to put the Pacers way over the top and probably put them into a playoff spot. What about Laurie Markkinen? Yes, I know. He's the Jazz's star forward. He shoots. He plays defense. He's tall. He does everything. Why would they just give him up? Well, what about three first-round picks? and two expiring veteran contracts in Daniel Tice and TJ McConnell. I think that the Jazz may not accept this and that the Pacers may need to throw in a little bit extra, but maybe if they throw in an extra first-round pick or one of their second-round picks this year, the Jazz may accept this as and they can hit the full rebuild mode without Laurie trying to keep them in the mid-area. And the other trade I wanted to talk about was Jonathan Kaminga. Okay, Kaminga is a young developing forward that fits the Pacers timeline pretty well. I mean, this isn't going to launch them into contention, but at the same time, 
I think that Jonathan Kaminga can help them in the future and maybe he'll be given more touches in Indiana so he can develop better. And for this, the Warriors would get Isaiah Jackson and two first-round picks. I don't know if any of these trades work. Why don't you guys tell me in the comment section? But anyways, that's it for today's episode. And thank you so much for listening to the NBA's Big 30. I'll catch you next time.